here's how you watch When Harry Met Sally. You party on New Year's Eve. You go get brunch on New Year's Day. Then you come back to the house and you cuddle up with all your loved ones and you watch When Harry Met Sally during the day on New Year's Day. Yes. Daytime, cuddle up, movie. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and Happy New Year. This week, we are talking about Greta Gerwig's new movie, Little Women, based on the book by Louisa May Alcott. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, which of the titular Little Women, the March Sisters, are you? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I think I'm a 50-50 split of Joe and Meg. Just... Straight down the middle. Oh, a 50-50 split. <laughs> Why? Um, well, I think I have all of the like maternal oldest sister qualities of Meg with mm-hmm. some of the like more liberal belief systems of Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago, and I am an Amy, a hardcore Amy. Um, I think mostly because I am artistic. I want to be successful. I have very high standards for myself and others, but overall I'm pretty pragmatic. You like pretty things. I love pretty things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And joining us this week, we, we have my wife, Rebecca Wright. Hi guys. Hello. Um, I am Rebecca Wright. I'm a speech pathologist in also Chicago, Illinois, and I am a Meg pretty much through and through. I, um, am a pretty big role follower. I follow social norms pretty pretty closely. Um, I can be a little bit materialistic sometimes. And um, I don't know, caring, like have some of those instincts as well. So I resonate very strongly with Meg. Totally. <laughs> Every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. Um, so this week, Sandra, will you kick us off with what you're feeling this week? Yes, this week I am feeling John Mulaney's new Netflix musical special titled John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Um, he is marketing this as a children's television musical special. Um, I think there's there could be a lot of healthy debate about what it actually is, but <laughs> that is definitely what it's being presented as. And, um... And how I kind of like went into the mindset of watching it. Um, did either of you happen to watch this over the holidays? I've seen the trailer for it and we're very excited about watching it, but we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very, very interested to hear what you think about it. Well, I adored it. Um, there is something that John Mulaney says in the special that I think fully encapsulates um, the reasons why people our age might appreciate this special. Um, he says to the camera, he or, or someone asks him, like, why he made this. And he goes, well, um, I, I watched some children's television programming that's airing current today, and I hated all of it. And I remember when <laughs> the stuff that I watched when I like, was a kid was pretty good. So I wanted to make something that I thought was pretty good and felt like what I used to watch as a kid. And this special fully evokes, like, 
80s and 90s nostalgia for children's television. The way it's edited, the musical cues, the set design. Um, it, it'll feel like, oh, I'm a kid again watching the TV shows that I grew up watching. Um, the one thing that is new to this is that it has John Mulaney's signature um, absurdist, ironic sense of humor. Um, and that makes it, I would say, much more appropriate for adults and specifically adults in our generation. I think any adults older than us might not fully appreciate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but man, it really hit a sweet spot for me. Um, it, John Mulaney is accompanied by the Sack Lunch Bunch, a group of children that he is cast to be on the show and they are the real stars of the show um they are incredibly charming and amazingly musically talented like (laughs) i was blown away by the singing voices on these kids they obviously got i would say like theater kids versus um what like like disney channel kids um and that's something i really appreciated about it also is that these kids while definitely very cute, they don't have the kind of like creepily manicured image that like maybe a Disney Channel kid star would have, you know? Yeah. Um, they look like normal kids. Some of them are kind of weird. Some of them are a little um, lanky or awkward, but they're all very talented and charming and funny. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I love the casting so much on this. I love the sense of humor. I don't want to spoil anything, um, but I, I won't spoil any main jokes, but there are some song titles that I hope will get people interested in this show uh, because it is kind of a series of musical numbers and co- comedic bits. There's no, like, storyline running through it. Um, what my per- one of my particular favorite songs is Grandma's Got a New Boyfriend, um, do flowers exist <laughs> at night? Uh, uh, I don't know the exact title of this, but there's one song about a kid who saw a white lady sobbing on the streets of New York. And I think about it once a week was, I think the full title <laughs> of the song <laughs> and they are so like, so specific. And this, the specific is the specificity is what makes it so like pleasurable. Um, Amongst all these, like, really funny, absurdist bits of humor, there's also these, like, direct-to-camera interviews that remind me of, like, Sesame Street, I guess. But they're (laughs) just asking kids and sometimes adults very simply, like, what is your greatest fear? Like, what what is the thing that frightens you the most? And you have these, like, really deep answers from all these kids that really make you, like gasp and and feel something and so having those mixed in with all of the comedic songs is makes a special um yeah something completely unique there's there's one line that was going around on twitter where a girl was talking about um one of the questions also kind of has to do with nightmares and she talks about how one of her biggest nightmares is um all these people and they like know her name and an adult asks her, like, what, what about them knowing your name is, like, so scary? And she was like, I didn't know that people in nightmares could know my name. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my goodness. It, hearing, you know, it's from the mouth of babes. It's all, yeah. <laughs> it's really something 
unique. I've already said that, but it's so unique and, and there's nothing else on Netflix or regular television like it. Um, I wouldn't watch it with actual children. I, I, I don't think that they would appreciate it like in the same way. Although I'm very curious yeah. if there are a few special kids that like get it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they just they get it. Um, I think teenagers and people of our generation are the ones that will, you know, yeah, really appreciate That's it. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to hear y'all's reactions once you get a chance to watch it. Definitely. We're excited about it. Does John Mulaney do any actual stand-up in it? No. He is, like, okay. kind of like the host. He's kind of, essentially, I okay. guess, like, you would say maybe the Mr. Rogers of the show. Oh, but it's, but so he's pure. not Mr. Rogers mode. He is in John yeah. Mulaney mode. Um, yeah. And he doesn't kind of, like, really hold back at all. Um, I mean, he doesn't, like, uh, curse at anyone, but it does, like, get kind of, like, very dark in points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way that <laughs> nice. I like. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Oh, me too. I just um, downloaded all of John Mulaney's stand up specials for we, for our flight mm-hmm. tomorrow. And so I think I'm going to add this one well, to the af- list. After watching this, I immediately watched his um, Kid Gorgeous, the Radio City musical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, stellar. Yeah. Yeah. It's just enough to give you that taste to want more of, of John Mulaney. Right. Right. That, that's great. Um, so that's, what is the title of the? John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Sack Lunch Bunch. Awesome. That's on Netflix. Cool. Um, well, this week I am feeling uh, Phoebe Bridgers is an artist um, who I've definitely talked about on here before. Um, she has done some covers recently, which I have absolutely loved. Yeah. So she does a cover of The Cure's Friday, I'm in Love, and it is amazing. Monday you can hold your Tuesday, Wednesday, stay in bed or Thursday, watch the walls instead, it's Friday, I'm in love. Yeah, so she's doing her typical thing, very, very in her style. Um, She has a great voice for all of these kind of uh, soft acoustic covers, Um, but she also does a... a rendition of Manchester Orchestra's song The Gold, um, which is really, really nice and very, um, I guess, I think haunting is is the word I'd use to describe her, totally. her cover of The Gold. So if you've never heard of her, I would definitely say check her out. Um, specifically, these covers are, are ones that I've been listening to a lot recently. Um, but all of her stuff is just really fantastic. Yeah. And so I'm looking her up on Spotify, Lucas. And the Friday I'm in Love a cover is part of like the Spotify singles. Um, yes. Yes. And so is the the Manchester, what was the other cover that you recommended? Yes. The, the Gold is actually, it's it, the Manchester orchestra, orchestra sings with her on that. So it's actually under Manchester Orchestra okay. featuring Phoebe Bridgers, but cool. she's doing the vocals on it. Um, yeah. So if you can find that there as well. Awesome. Right. Yeah. I love, I love that song, um, Friday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. The, the cover version that you just played. Um, I can't wait to go listen to the full version because I'm real. I really dig what her voice was doing with it. Yeah, she has a great voice. I would love for her to just do a full covers album mm-hmm. and pick whatever songs you want. Just go for it. Love <laughs> her a voice is amazing. Album. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Um, yeah, so that's Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, find her on Spotify. Rebecca, what are you feeling this week? Okay. I am feeling a show from the BBC called Would I Lie to You? Um, Sandra, have you heard of this? I know no. Lucas has because how else did I hear about it? it? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm excited to learn. Oh, awesome. Okay. I love it. It is a British TV show, um, and it's a game show. It's hosted by... Um, Rob Brydon, and they have two comedians, David Mitchell and Lee Mack, who are um, both British comedians. Um, and like David Mitchell is hilarious, and he's usually on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year show. Love David Mitchell and everything that he does. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really hilarious. And this show is feels very akin to the Big Fat Quiz of the Year show, which is another thing everybody should check out if, <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it. But it's just, it's a show where. Um, they have these two comedians that come on and then different celebrities are each on a team with them. And, um, they, they draw a card and it either has like a true story about them or a lie and they have to answer questions about it. And the other team has to figure out if they are lying or if it is true. And it's hilarious just because most of the people on it are British comedians. And so it's just like very, very British humor. Um, <laughs> but then it's also insane because some of the lies that come that they come up with, or I'm sorry, some of the truths that they come up with are like, you hear it and you think there's absolutely no way that this is true. And then it actually is. And there are these wild stories. And what I would love to hear is just like how the producers of the show even find out about um, the stories that they end up getting these people to tell. Um, and it's pretty cool because they, they do that round, but then they also have a round where they'll bring somebody out who knows one of the contestants and each contestant on the team has to make up a story about how they know that person. Um, and then the other team has to ask questions to figure out like which person actually knows them. And again, the stories, none of them <laughs> sound true and it's just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So yeah. I know that, Jimmy Fallon does a bit like this on his show. I'm wondering which came first. I mean, not that it really um, matters. Jimmy Fallon definitely definitely stole this okay. um, from the Brits. Got this it. Is yeah, <laughs> I think this has had like ten seasons. Yeah, this or has been around like for many, many, many okay. years. Yeah. I've only been watching it this week, and I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, but it's funny. I only had heard about it this week, and then I saw a news article about um, Sharon Osbourne, and it was telling about how on this show she told a story about. Um, sending one of her assistants into their house that was on fire to save some artwork and then taking the oxygen mask from that same assistant and giving it to her dog and then firing the assistant because they didn't laugh about it. And it was true. Like, and I haven't seen that episode, but can't wait. That's just like, yeah. And I couldn't believe I just found out about this show. Yeah. And then there it was yeah. with an article about, I think it's also it. astounding to see how well some of these people can lie just sure. based off a prompt, just come up with stories just off the top of their head. Some of them are incredibly scary at how well they can get away with this. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to the Sharon Osbourne story, yes. I love it when celebrities tell on themselves. When they like... Right. Oh, absolutely, yes. When they don't know how <laughs> awful they are and they just like fully ex like air out their own dirty laundry without realizing mm -hmm. it. Oh, so <laughs> funny. Yeah. I know, you hear the story and you're like, wow, that is truly horrendous that you would do that to a person. <laughs> and like, amazing that you didn't get it. 
Yes, that this is a perfect show for that kind of stuff to happen. And as it's happening, you can tell that the person starts to realize that, oh, maybe this isn't funny. Maybe this is bad. But the the comedians can just jump on it and just, you know, harass them on it forever. It's so good. Yeah. So, so on one of the shows I was watching this week, one of the comedians was like, well, there's no way that this is true unless you just decided to like be incredibly vulnerable on national <laughs> yeah. television. And then it ended up being true. And it was, it's great. So is I, it typically celebrities um, and other comedians that are telling, that are, either telling lies or truths? It's usually like British talent, British comedians. Yeah, so British okay. actors, but British not comedians. Like everyday people. No, 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 no. no. Okay. All, yeah, all famous people. So Got it. It's yeah. very good. It's, it's not, ava- from what I can find, it's not available to watch anywhere. We watch it on YouTube. <laughs> so okay. it's so all, it is available. Most, exactly I mean, I I mean but not from looking. like a normal streaming ser- yeah. service. So, but all I think all, almost all the seasons are available on YouTube somewhere. Okay, that's where I will be heading. It's so. great. It is. Wonderful. I mean, you got to love good British, like, comedy late night shows. It's true. It's true. That is one where they very easily have a speed. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to In or Out. Are you in or out? You were sort of. All right, we've got some trailers to talk about that just launched. Um, we'll talk about each of the trailers, if everybody's seen them, and whether you are in or out on them. So first off, The Gentleman. Uh, Guy Ritchie's new, uh, what is it, gangster movie starring basically everybody in the world. Um, Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah, Tom Hardy. Um, uh, Hugh Henry, Grant. I'm, I'm trying to see, yeah, Hugh Grant. I'm trying to see who Henry Cavill. Ca- no, not Henry Cavill. Henry, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Henry Golding. Golding. Henry yeah. Golding. Matthew McConaughey, Colin Farrell. Yes. Uh, oh, um, what's my favorite guy from Succession? Um, Jeremy Strong? Strong? No, Strong? Yes. Jeremy yes. Strong, Michelle Dockery. Yes. I think those are the biggest names. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. um, yeah. So I will start by saying do y'all, I don't know if y'all saw any of this on the internet, but do you remember when the Triple Frontier trailer came out? And I feel like there are people all on Twitter and definitely like on the Ringer staff who I follow a lot of their content that were like, yes, 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 this movie was made yes. for me. That's how I felt watching the Gentleman trailer. Like <laughs> I was like, oh, all that excitement people had for Triple Frontier, I feel for this movie. I love every single one of these actors. It just looks like ballsy and fun and people going all out and playing to the like to the rooftop this is all i want out of a fun movie yes um i felt that way as well about the triple frontier trailer um (laughs) did not feel great about the triple frontier movie but the trailer itself was amazing um i i am 100 in on this this cast for the gentleman it seems fantastic i don't trust guy Ritchie at all to make a good movie at this point in his life um i don't think he's made one that i like since man from uncle yeah um and even before that, there aren't many. <laughs> but every once in a while, he pulls out a classic. And so I would love for every one of his movies to be a classic. So I'm ho- here's hoping to this one. 
Yeah, I think for me, the theme for all of the trailers we're about to talk about is like, I need to wait and see what people are actually saying about it because I'm obsessed with the cast. Like just the cast alone makes me want to go see it. But it does look like it could end up being like, I can't decide if it's going to be a really like gratuitously bloody movie in some ways or if it's just going to be fun. So I think I need to wait and see kind of what everybody has to say about it because I don't particularly love just like bloody gory gory kind of movie i'm most excited one for to me i don't know i have a gut feeling that this is gonna be good um Mm. and one i'm excited for henry golding to be in like a really good movie because i think henry golding is like very talented but like gets the short end of the stick in some of his you know films that he's been in yeah um yeah and i think this will be like he'll get to like really like ham it up in a way that I'm excited to see. Um, two, I'm excited for a Jeremy Strong, Matthew McConaughey reunion from this year's Serenity. I just feel like this is a duo that I could watch forever and I can't wait to watch <laughs> them again. <laughs> Absolutely. For me, I am here for Hugh Grant having oh, fun in roles. Like yes. seeing <laughs> him in Paddington yes. 2, Paddington 2 was just one of the most heartwarming things. And this movie, again, just seems like a role that he's just like, I'm just here to, ha- this is fun. Like, well, so this, I'm always here for that. This trailer seems to really rely on him as like the narrator for the trailer in a way that yeah. like, I hope means that they're taking full advantage of him again, also hamming it up. Yeah, yeah definitely. Very well, cool. Yep. Everybody seems in on the gentleman. Rebecca's a little hesitant depending on the amount of gore. Okay, just get nervous. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's even a lot of blood in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up we have downhill. Um, which is a movie starring Will Ferrell and Julie Louise Dreyfus. It's basically, after barely escaping an avalanche during a family ski trip to the Alps, a married couple is thrown into disarray as they are forced to reevaluate their lives and how they feel about each other. Um, this is written, this is a remake of the Swedish film Force Majeure, um, which, did that win um, the Oscar for foreign film? I don't a couple remember. Years ago? It was at least, it was definitely nominated. Yeah, I know it was nominated. Um but this is the this remake is written and directed by um, Nate Faxon and Jim Rash, who um, did some other great movies that I'm trying to think of the names of. Um, um, the Long Way Down, or no, no, The Way Way Back. Not they the did a down. rewrite of The Descendants. Um, yes, that that's they won right. an Oscar for. Um, yep. Yeah, and yeah, and The Way Way Back was their big movie that they made. Yes, that's right. Um, and it's also got some writing help from Jesse Armstrong, who is the show creator of um, the of Succession. So big, big fan of all of those people. Real, real curious about this. I, I have not seen Force Majeure, but I want to watch it before I watch this. But I think I'm in on this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think she's great. And um, I did not know that it was... Um, you said written by the same people as The Way Way Back? Yes. I love The Way Way Back. So that actually, you saying that even makes me like more yeah. in on it. Um, that I think it looks kind of like a movie that I could very easily just go see on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I would say, so I haven't seen Force Majeure, but like every critic that I know that has watched it talks about how amazing it is. So yeah. people hold it in high esteem. I would say I'm out on this trailer. This trailer, I mm. think is like, I think pretty messy. It doesn't seem like tonally consistent. Um, I I don't feel like it's put together very well. 
even though I do love Julia Louis-Dreyfus and I think Will Ferrell, when he's like really committing to something in a serious way, not a serious way, but serious is the wrong word. When he's not phoning something <laughs> in, I think is what I mean. Yes. Um, yeah. is very, is very amazing. Um, this doesn't like this trailer. I don't think is very good. However, I didn't like, you like, like Rebecca, I didn't know it was written by Jim Rash and Nat Baxton. Um, they are, I think, so talented and they're geniuses and I love their sense of comedy and, and their sense of heart also uh, that mm-hmm. they bring to movies. I really appreciate. So I have a lot more hope for this movie hearing that um, than I did just seeing the trailer by itself. Um, so maybe yeah. it's just a badly edited trailer. From what I remember, I feel like the Way Way Back trailer was also not super great. I feel like movies that have funny stuff but are really very you know dramatic um, emotional movies are hard to cut trailer for is because or cut trailers for because they want them to be funny. They want to put the funny parts in the trailer because they well, want people to get there because it's a comedy. And this, I I totally see what you're talking about. Is this doesn't work very well as like a funny trailer to get people in or, um, or of deep emotional yeah, <laughs> yeah. It movie do either. either. So and I feel yeah. like also when you have if you're a marketer and you have Will Ferrell and your Will Ferrell is the face of your project, then yeah, you, you probably try to bring out a certain tone that maybe the project itself doesn't have. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. But if this was, if this had the overall tone of a Will Ferrell movie, I'd be out. Yes, Yes, for sure. Next up, we have Promising Young Woman. This is a movie about a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past who seeks out vengeance against men who cross her path. Um, This stars Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham and is directed by Emerald Fennell, um, who is uh, an executive producer and writer for Killing Eve. Um, so I this I am very excited about this movie. <laughs> this looks really good. Um, I love Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. Very curious to see Bo Burnham in a true acting role, um, which is going to be interesting. But this trailer looks really good. This might be, I think, the best trailer I've seen in a long time. Like just mm-hmm. as a piece of like a, as a short film, as a trailer, as in the art mm-hmm. of making trailers. I think this is like the top of the barrel that I've seen maybe the whole year. Um, yeah. The way that this trailer is cut is so impressive. I think you immediately understand the tone of this movie, what the like basic plot is going to be, and it's cut together with this amazing, I think, violin cover of um, "Toxic" by Toxic. Britney Spears, yeah. <laughs> which is the most per- one of the the best pop songs ever. I think it's Britney Spears' <laughs> best w- work, and so to mm-hmm. be used in this trailer is like. Mwah, chef's kiss. Um, I'm very in on this trailer. I'm very in on this movie. I think the first few times I watched it, because I did watch it like 12 times, um, <laughs> there was a small part of me that was a little concerned because um, this trailer seems to deal heavily with sexual assault and men who mm-hmm. um, commit sexual assault or attempt sexual assault. And that is like a cause that's near and dear to my heart. And so I always get a little concerned whenever films tackle that subject and whether they're going to like handle it appropriately, you know? Yeah. And this trailer has sort of a lighthearted tone. I would say it seems to be like a, a fun revenge fl- flick versus like a drama about the heavy topic of sexual assault. Um, yeah. Which can be 
I think it's kind of refreshing, but then also has, you know, some room for error. Like, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There, there's always going to be a little part of me that's nervous about that. However, the talent in this trailer has me so beyond excited and gives me hope that they'll handle it um, with caution and, and um, thoughtfulness. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, especially, is someone who I, I, I put a lot of faith in. So, um yeah, I, this, I'm so in on this trailer. Yeah, I think that the trailer is amazing. I agree with both of you guys. I think it's so well done. I feel like this is one of those trailers that Lucas a lot of times will just like have us re-watching trailers for months. <laughs> and Little Women was one of the trailers. Oh, um, I have a feeling this is going to be another one of the trailers. Um, yeah, I think that it's the... The whole story and how the trailer is done is really intriguing to me. I think at the end of the trailer, it like starts to get a little like scary movie horror horror movie vibe where I'm like, how scary is this going to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have a very low tolerance um, for scary things. So I think that um, it's something I really, really, really want to be able to have the tolerance to see because it just looks like it's really well done. And um, I really like Carrie Mulligan a lot. So. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. Another thing I really love about this potential project is the way that they cast this all, you know, the, the trailer has several different men that she seems to be targeting, um, as Mm -hmm. men who, again, who may have committed sexual assault or attempted sexual assault or, or something of that ilk. Um, and I appreciate that they filled the cast of men with like, a bunch of actors that we all really love, like lovable guys that often play like really sweet romantic leads, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't, she didn't fill, they didn't fill the cast with like guys that play creeps or guys that play, you know, like menacing figures. And I really think that like nails the point of that, like, this kind of behavior is committed by guys that you wouldn't expect it from or the boy next door or the nice guy at the bar. Um, I I really, really appreciated those casting decisions. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm excited. We'll see how it goes. When does this come out? Do you know, Lucas? Um, let me see. Does it have a release date? I think April, I want to say. Yeah. April, 2020. Yeah. This is one of those ones where like, as soon as I find the release date, I'll put it in my calendar. Like, okay, it's yeah. coming out this day. Sit at home, watch it on Netflix, get it right away. Nice. Um, it's also got a great poster. If anybody wants to check it out, the poster is fantastic. Uh, I think always, everything always about this that. movie seems to be done. Seems to be, seems to have been done really well. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm super curious about this. Me too. All right. Anything else before we get into Little Women? I'm good. Nope. All right. So real quick, I do want to hear you guys' history of Little Women, how what your connection is to them. Have you read the book? Have you seen any of the previous adaptations? All of that. So who wants to go first? I can say that I have never taken in Little Women in any form before seeing this movie. Oh, Never read okay. the book. Never seen an adaptation. Um, I knew a few basic spoilers for the movie just because I'm on Twitter and people were talking about it. Um, <laughs> also, there's one big spoiler that's in an episode of Friends that I remember. Um, yes. But other than that, I've never seen anything or read anything. So 
really fresh eyes for me. That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear like with how the story was framed in um, like how they jumped around in time and everything, like how that was for you experiencing it, having never experienced the story before. That'll be cool to hear. Um, okay. So my history with little women is a little complicated. Um, it, I grew up and it was a really important story in my house. I, it's just me and my sister. Um, so two sisters and, um, it was just a book that like was always discussed. Um, my mom always talks about it and we were huge fans of the 1994 little women. Like I was talking to my sister yesterday and she was like, yeah, I think I've watched that every year. (laughs) Um, so little women itself has been something that has just like that story has been a part, um, um, of my household, um, all growing up, but I have ne- I never had read the book. Um, and finally, when this was coming out, I got the audiobook and listened to it on audiobook, which I would highly recommend. Um, it's a long book. And so I listened to it on one and a half and I finished it on Christmas day. And then a few hours later turned around and went and saw the movie. And it, I mean, I'm so glad that I got to read the book because it just like deepened the story that I already really loved. And then to get to turn around and watch a a movie that I feel like did it justice even better than the 1994 version was really exciting to see. Yeah. I, similar house of all girls. Um, no, just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no house of all boys. Um, but my mom really, really loved um, little women. And so she read it to us growing up. Um, and then I read it on my own. And then I also reread it this year. Um, and I've seen the 1994 version as well as the, uh, the Catherine Hepburn version before. So I am deep in the little women, um, deep into the little women lore, I guess. Um, (laughs) and you've even read little men. I've even read the sequel little men, um, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, this, so I was coming into it. I was very, very excited for this movie. This might have been my number two most anticipated movie, um, after Knives Out of the year. And just with the, the hype of everything Greta Gerwig did with, um, Lady Bird, um, Lady Bird and plus everything else she's written before this. Um, I was just really, really excited to see this movie. So, all right. Who wants to talk about their thoughts? Rebecca, I would love to hear from you first as our guest. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, No pressure. Um, I will try and put this cohesively. (laughs) Um, uh, I mean, I just loved it. I was blown away by it. I didn't really set expectations for it just because I have loved the story in the previous movie so much. So I didn't want to set too high of expectations and then be disappointed. Um, but right before we went to see it, I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes score and it at the time was 100% audience and 98% critic. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into here. And I just feel like throughout the whole movie, I was, um, I was just really enchanted by it. I feel like you can really feel Greta Gerwig's love of the characters. And like you can, I feel like you can really tell what the story means to her and how important it was to um, bring it out in a new light and a different light. And I think that she was really successful in her storytelling and really successful in her character development um, because she's, 
adapting a 650 page book, there's a ton of character development. So some of the choices that she made, I think were really smart, but um, I can't remember when it was in the movie, but up until this point, Knives Out has been my number one movie of the year. And I think we were like 60% of the way through Little Women. And I was like, well, this one now wins. <laughs> this is my number one movie of the year. Um, yeah. And I just think it was a really beautiful portrayal. Um, I, I would almost say a perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think watching this movie um, was so, I think, rewarding. Um, just every little piece of it, as you're watching it, you're just like, oh my gosh, I just love living in this world. I love being with these people. The cast is incredible. The um, well, It's a beautiful movie. I mean, oh, the yeah, costume design is beautiful. Yeah, it the all shots looks are beautiful. great. Um, and it also feels very modern. I feel like a movie set in the um, like the 1860s, um, a lot of times we have a very like stiff um, approach that we take to those movies and there are period pieces and they are um, about important things. And this is something that I think is approached casually and yet with a lot of love. And so it makes it feel important without it treating it um, as if it's some austere, um, you know, text that we're, you know, beholden to and which which i think is great because it puts a lot of life into these characters um that that the book tries to do as well um and i I think succeeds in a way that feels um feels very real and very emotional and just the way the all the sisters interact and interact with each other as well as everybody else in their world um feels very real and natural um and really kind of brings you uh brings you kind of closer to all of these people i think there's a lot in the way that the story is told that i want to talk about in spoilers Mm -hmm. um that kind of differs from the book or is the same as the book that kind of stuff um but yeah i i really love this movie this movie is um very technically amazing as well as emotionally manipulative in one of the best ways I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I was also really impressed with the acting. I feel like especially, um, Florence Pugh's acting, um, you could, I think you could really tell just based off of how she was acting, like where it was in time. Um, and so I think that, I think it was really cool to see the actors portray themselves as teenagers and then, adults in their 20s um, and to be really effective with that. Um, so I just want to say before I ta- start talking about like my thoughts on this movie is that when I saw Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's um, first film, that was a movie that like critics like adored, you know, mm-hmm. and I saw it and liked it, but was kind of like, wow, I think everyone like kind of bl- like over blew this movie like this this is a good movie but it's not like amazing <laughs> and then that was a movie that after i sat with it longer and then rewatched it again did i really kind of start to understand its genius you know um yeah. mm-hmm. it, it truly grew in my estimation and now i think of it as like the truly great film that it is um but i didn't feel that way upon first viewing so i went into like this movie having super high expectations because I think the trailer for it is so magnificent. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I cry at that trailer every single time I watch it. Um, It's, it's incredibly crafted, but also knowing like maybe with Greta Gerwig stuff, it's going to be something that will take me a while for my love for it to grow. And that absolutely was not the case with this movie. I (laughs) fell in love with this movie instantly. Um, Oh man. This movie is, I think, I mean, it's hard, again, as someone who hasn't read the book, um, it's hard for me to distinguish between what I love about it that is from um, 
Louisa May Alcott. And what I love about it is from Greta Gerwig, you know, Um, it's Mm -hmm. all kind of bleeds together. But I think this movie is so full of life and it does a really special job of like demonstrating the magnitude of small moments and how Mm -hmm. impactful those are and how meaningful and emotional they can be for us. Um, as well as like how important just like fully living and expressing feelings is, uh, Mm -hmm. very, you know, I think oftentimes, especially with like film critics, we all really appreciate, um, films that do a good job of like subtly expressing things. Um, yeah. And this movie is about like fully expressing things. I think that it has its own subtleties, but this movie like takes pleasure in being raucous and loud and fully emotional versus like quietly emotional. Um, and I really appreciate that about it. I, the first time I saw this movie, I've seen it twice. I saw it um, just a few hours ago for the second time. Um, The first time I saw it, I cried during all of the sad parts. And then (laughs) the second time I saw it, I cried the entire time. Just (laughs) every single scene, especially the happy scenes. I was really crying. And for a movie to be able to make you cry out of, when scenes are so because scenes are so full of joy, I think is a really um special talent that that for a filmmaker to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have a million good things to say about this movie. Some of them I'll save for spoilers. Uh, I think what Greta Gerwig brings to this though is like this innovation when it comes to, yeah, timelines and the way she's edited and crafted this story, as well as bringing in elements that. Um, mean a lot, especially in this day and age. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we can, yeah, again, in spoilers, talk more about what those are. But I was blown away. This is, I agree with you, Rebecca. I think this is incredibly close to a perfect movie. One of the things that you said, Sandra, which I just think is so cool, that you talked about, like, it it really highlights the little moments of life. And one of my favorite quotes from the book is a quote that says, such hours are beautiful live beautiful to live, but very hard to describe. Um, and I think that's just a really beautiful quote about life in general and life with people that you love. And I think that, um, you're right that this movie just really highlights that. Um, what's so beautiful about that is that like this, this is why I do love film adaptations of books because Mm -hmm. there are moments that are hard to describe. Like that quote is, outlines that in a film you can witness and you get it with the music and the physicality and the color Mm -hmm. and you fully experience the moment in a way that can be again hard to describe and hard to fully um realize in a book and i love that people will take beautiful stories that are written like that in books and and transform them into films and and plays like they do in this you know like she's a in this book i don't think this is much of a spoiler but she's a writer but they she and her sisters put on plays of her stories because you know that is another way of storytelling that is fully realizing stories and i just appreciate Mm -hmm. that that was an aspect of her writing and not just um like a 
a commitment to the, the sole written word. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, I do want to talk about the cast real quick. Is yes. this so? Real quick, this movie is set basically in two time periods, seven years apart, and um, other adaptations have used different actors um, for like double casting. Yeah, double role. casting. So you have the young version, and then you have the older version. Um, this movie uses the same people for both, and just has them, you know, play their younger versions. Um, and I think it works really well having the same actor in there. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, honestly, seven years isn't that far apart. And so being able to to do that, I think, works really well and really does draw a through line for a lot of these characters. I think one thing that I really love is how um, real it makes each of these women Um most of the adaptations in the past have focused really on Joe. She's she's the main character. Um, this is kind of her story. It's um, kind she's, of narrated from her perspective. Yeah, and this is you know she's the stand-in for Louise May Alcott. So that's kind of kind of what what you get. Um, whereas this one really feels like you have real characters for each of these sisters um, and kind of how their relationships play together, which is so great. And having you know Saoirse Ronan and and Florence Pugh, I think are obviously for me this, the big standouts. But I think Emma Watson and Eliza Scanlon definitely bring a whole lot to Meg and, J- and Beth mm-hmm. um, in this movie that are is just beautiful to see. Yeah, especially Emma Watson. Um, like I think Emma Watson sometimes gets a bad rap on film Twitter about like some people think she's not very good as an actress. And I loved her in this. I think she holds her own with the rest of the cast and, and brings exactly what I imagine the Meg character is. It's just that, that quiet um, confidence that mm-hmm. her sisters while might have like a loud confidence. She has this quiet, sensible confidence to her that I fully appreciate. Um, yeah. And yeah, but for me, Watching this film, like everyone in this film is good. There's like, you know, it's the peak of acting, I think, with every single character. Um, But it's hard to watch this film and not marvel at Florence Pugh and Timothy Chalamet for me. Those are the two Mm. performances that um, I think Florence Pugh is is doing like God tier work in this movie. And then Timothy Chalamet continues to, like, take my breath away with his performances. And with this character, you know, this is one of the aspects where I wish I knew the source material better. Because I want to know, is this character as charming as this portrayal is, you know, Um, inherently? Or is that Timothy Chalamet bringing his magic to the screen? Um, Because I was incredibly taken by it. Yeah. I think he's really good in this as well. I, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is in the book, um, but I think he's taken it to a different level and, and slightly in a different direction, I think, than, than the, where the book sends Lori, um, which again, we can get into in spoilers, but Rebecca, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I love everything about this cast. I mean, when that's part of what, when I saw the trailer that I was like, I mean, there's no way that I'm not going to love this because if I was just going to say like, who would be my dream people for each of these roles? I feel like Greta Gerwig just really nailed it. Um, I think Florence Pugh is amazing. I think Sarah Sharonin just, um, brought a lot to the character of Joe. Um, oh, I just blanked on who plays Beth. Eliza Scanlon. Scanlon. Yeah, I just, I think that she, um, I think she really tapped into Beth's character and brought out a lot that um, makes Beth seem more accessible in the movie than maybe she even does in the book. 
Um, I love Timothy Chalamet, and I think he's amazing. And I love him as young Laurie. I think there's a few times in the movie that I have a little bit of a hard time with him as older, matured Laurie. And that might also just be because I feel like him and Saoirse Ronan just match so well yeah. that it's then he still just kind of looks like a little baby yeah. whenever he's playing the older Laurie with Amy. Um, but I mean, I still think that he was a really, really great casting, but I think that's kind of my only thing sometimes with yeah. him, but, um, but I don't think I would pick anyone else to cat to play him anyways. So, <laughs> so that's just my one little comment on him. Um, but yeah, I think that I, and I 100% agree with you on Emma Watson. I think that she does exactly what she needs to do in that role. Um, because that's kind of the role that Meg plays in the books as well. And I think she does a great job. Do y'all remember when this movie was first announced? It was announced that Emma Stone was going to be playing Meg. And then Emma Stone dropped out and they play, we replaced her with Emma Watson. Oh, really? And I'm yeah. having a hard time envisioning that movie now. I don't really believe that. I don't okay. feel like Emma Stone is someone that Greta Gerwig would cast as I don't think Meg. she fits the Meg She doesn't fit the Meg at character all. at all. And is she just fits completely. Like <laughs> and just, I, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it just doesn't seem to me like someone that that would that would fill this part at all. Hmm. But who knows? You yeah. never know. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about Laura Dern and Meryl Streep. I know, right? And <laughs> sure. I mean, just how wonderful they both are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they both had definitely had smaller roles um, in the movie, but I mean, just anything with them in it will get me to a box office, even if it was a little woman. Yeah. So for me, the big surprise was Chris Cooper. Not necessarily because oh. I don't think he's a good performer but his role in this is amazing Mm -hmm. for what little you know screen time he has um i think a lot of his scenes as um laurie's grandfather um who's kind of a nothing character i think in the book for the most part um i think i think chris cooper gave him a lot more emotion and depth um than something that you know than i was expecting (laughs) there was a, a dad sitting in the row in front of me in my in the last screening i went to and he was crying real hard doing a lot of chris cooper scenes so yeah. anything yeah. that can make like dads cry in the theater i'm like yeah i mean like no one. wonder you cried throughout the whole thing <laughs> yeah. the second time that would get anybody <laughs> yeah now y'all saw this if i'm right if i'm correct the day after you saw um uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yes. So yep. y'all yeah, that was fascinating. Oh man, that I as soon as I didn't know that he was in this role in I this didn't movie, either. and so as soon as he showed up, I leaned over to Rebecca and I was like, "This is a completely different person." <laughs> 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 they you couldn't find two more different um, roles for him back to back like that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I would just say that like I don't know how y'all feel, but for me personally. This has not been a very exciting year for movies, I think, as a whole. You know, obviously, there are mm-hmm. incredible movies that I've seen. But um, uh, in majority, this movie this year hasn't been very exciting. And to end the year, essentially, with this film really lifted my spirits. I think, like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's close to perfect. So people should absolutely go see it many times. I agree. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, go see Little Women. And for those who have, let's go talk spoilers. Again. Okay, well, also, <laughs> we'll go that. see it again. <laughs> Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. 
Okay, so just real quick to go over how the timeline works. Um, in the books, this was... Yeah, this was cut into, not cut. Um, it was released as two different books. Yes, it was released as two books. You have the young version and then the older version. Um, when it was originally released, recent recent productions, it's just all one book. So that's that's how I read it growing up. Was all as one book. Um, and I think what that does, at least for me, is that puts a lot of emphasis on how they are as children and much less emphasis on how they are as adults. Um, and so I think in this version, you get to know them as adults first, which puts a whole different perspective on them as kids. I think yeah. everyone who I've talked to has said this, and I, I'm sure everybody feels this way, but if you if your first introduction to Amy is that she burns Meg's or Joe's manuscript when you know how much that means to Joe, that kind of puts you off Amy for the rest of the book. Right. <laughs> and so I think everybody just basically hates Amy in the books. Um, this seeing her with Lori at the beginning of this movie, I think changes everything. I think this is the perfect way to do it. I couldn't believe how genius this technique was. I think also just from like a momentum perspective you start both of their stories with at these like you know lower points and then they both rise and climax at the same time versus mm -hmm. having a rise and a climax and then you start all over again with another rise and climax yes that it's in the second half I absolutely think, like this movie built like was building throughout um it mm -hmm. also allowed for like these really beautiful mirror moments um mm -hmm. instead of instead of like watching them all as kids especially i think with a lot of the amy and Lori dynamic because i i'll say this i knew going in that Lori and amy get married um okay. and that joe like turns them down the turning down scene is in the trailer so that wasn't yeah, you know yeah. as much of a spoiler <laughs> Um, and I knew that Beth died. Those were the three things okay. that I knew going in. Um, <laughs> and so I think when I heard that, okay, Timothy Chalamet is going to end up with the Florence Pugh character, um, I think part of me expected it to be something where it was like he didn't get Joe, so he and Amy like resigned to be t with each other and just out of like, it, it's what made sense, you know? I think that's, going into this movie, I thought that's the way this story was going to play out. Like, how how tragic that they this, law, this love didn't ever come to fruition, but this, like, sensible marriage did, you know? Yeah. And then, instead, I was surprised with, like, this really beautiful, different kind of love story between the two of them. And getting to see the two of them in Paris, and then getting to see these moments of... Amy with her crush on him as a child, as like a young person um, was really beautiful. I think it was genius that they, she crafted it that way. Um, another amazing mirror moment are the scenes with Beth getting ill um, mm -hmm. and, and Sersha and Joe coming down the stairs. Um, the way that those two scenes were reflected in each other or, or, or Sersha like um, nursing, sorry, Joe nursing Beth, um, <laughs> uh, being at the sea and resting together. And um, the way that you can foreshadow when you mix up these timelines, I thought was just amazing. Yeah, I think um, like what you were saying about Lori and Amy's relationship, like one of the things 
for the 1994 version is a lot of that movie is kind of, it's just showing all of these beats of Amy and Joe kind of being pitted against each other. You know, like the moment whenever she burns Joe's book and like, is that forgivable? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, and so since it's chronological, it's hard to ever see Amy's character really grow and change. And so it kind of even pits like the, the relationship of Laurie and Amy kind of against Joe as well. And I think that that's one of the most successful things that she did by having um, grown up Amy first. And like you get to see her as an adult and see that growth and then see how she got there and see the different ways that their relationship grew and evolved. And that, you know, they did have a natural sibling rivalry, but they also both grew. Um, and I think that was a really, really well done, um, way to make that so that it doesn't make Amy the bad guy. Like I think is very easy to do, um, and has been done in the past. Um, and then, yeah, I think that, um, I think it's really cool to see how those stories mirror with Beth. And yeah, that part where she comes down the stairs the second time, I mean, it just took my breath away. And I was filled with dread on the second time she was going down the stairs because I knew that she wasn't going to be sitting there. And um, that was just one of the times that I just boohooed when I was watching it. Um, But I was curious, like during those scenes, Sandra, was it ever hard to follow like where in time it was or do you feel like it was pretty easy um to tell like when was younger when was older especially in like the Beth scenes I think the genius of this movie is that it's it you do figure it out you figure out the pattern um of when is the past and when is the future um I think the very first time I saw it, there were some scenes at the very beginning where I started, like, getting a little confused. Um, Especially, I think the one transition that was confusing at first was there's a transition at the beginning where um, Joe is writing and you see her in a window shot. You know, you see her writing at night. And then we cut to her writing in New York and we see her in a window in New York writing. And, um, I don't think I, I made the connection right away that she was in a different place. Um, and that, and then she gets dropped off the books from Frederick. And, and so I think, you know, that was, that whole sequence was a little bit confusing for me the very first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I think it made complete sense. And I, and I really picked up on all of the visual cues that were there for me. Um, I think, the way that she gives us these clues about what time period is it, it is in without ex- explicitly saying the way that in the past everything is golden and red and bright and colorful and in the present, I guess you would call it, it's blue and gray. Yeah. Um, the way that the characters dress, how the girls dress in those colors and how their hair is always up when they're older versus down mm-hmm. and wild when they're younger. Um I know you mentioned, Rebecca, that the heart, like, I think everyone feels very distinct in the two different parts. You know, you can tell the difference between Joe in the past and Joe in the present. Um, But the one character who doesn't feel fully distinct is Lori. And Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think um, he dresses the same throughout the whole movie in a way that, like, every other character dresses differently, um, depending Mm -hmm. on what age they are. 
uh, and Timothy Chalamet obviously is is you know such a, <laughs> a, a has a young face you know all like yeah. inherently that it's hard to he doesn't get to get aged up with hair and makeup yeah. the way that the other girls do. Um, so in the I'm, 1994 version, Christian Bale grows a, a beard, and I cannot <laughs> picture Timothy Chalamet in a beard at all. No, no, he has like a speck of a mustache. Like, yeah. In, in the older scenes, um, it's, I mean, it is like a freckling of little yeah. hair. But I, I think the like the, one of the bare, most minor flaws you could give it was like maybe they could have done something with his costuming that, you know distinguished that a little bit more um Mm -hmm. but it helped that he was in paris you know like you can tell whether he's in paris or not and so that you know you 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 know um, what time period you were in um but yeah it was very easy to follow because she did a masterful job of distinguishing the two periods um i think one of the other things that i felt like really had you know Greta gerwig's um like thumb on the scale for some of this stuff was just the way the girls talk about what they want. I feel like mm-hmm. that's a lot, um, a lot more subtle in the book and a lot more interesting in the movie. Um, just the way Amy talks about um, how marriage is a contract and how it's very, like she's very practical about it and how this is what she wants. And yet this whole time she has loved Lori and that is what she wants. And yet um, she's willing to go through this to get what she needs. Um, and, Joe has this big speech about how she, well, uh, what, what is it? Just like oh, women are more like men yeah. more than just loved. Right. Exactly. And like so the hearts and minds. And that yeah, exactly. And so, and so that, that also feels like that's very Greta Gerwig. Like that is, that is a speech that she put in and yet it fits so well with kind of the themes of the book and, and what, um, what we're, you know, meant to get out of this, um, that it doesn't feel like an add on. It feels like really a true enhancement to the material, which is just so great to see. And, and really, I think, I think, um, grounds everything. More. Yeah. I want to opposed to just a series of stories about sisters kind of a thing, you know, I want to touch on that specific monologue because I think it's so mm-hmm. brilliant in the trailer. That's where I start crying, you know, is yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. is that monologue. And in the trailer, it reads as, um, very like sincere girl power kind of moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think is genius about it. And, and and I'm fine with that. Again, those kind of things make me cry. I like them. Um, but the genius of that monologue is that in the movie, she says all of those things and you feel all of those emotions that you felt in the trailer. But then it ends with, but I'm so lonely. But I'm so lonely. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. And like, yep. to 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 fully admit, I think as women, we are expected to hold ourselves. And, and, and like the Joe character goes through this. She has held herself to this standard of ambition and liberation and individualism that it can be hard to admit that we still need and crave and desire companionship and family and romance and all those things that um we you know sometimes are are stigmatized for um and so for her to end that monologue with I'm so lonely and to admit to that um and to that heartache I mean that is so moving um Mm -hmm. yeah Greta Gerwig like her mind you know um yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that there's moments both um, in one of the monologues that Florence Pugh has. I think it's the one where she's talking about marriage and like and about her ambition. And like, you know, I could make all the money in the world and then I could get married and then it's my husband's. And then Joe also has that monologue. And I think she does a great job of juxtaposing like just the how complicated it all was, you know, and like yeah, um, love isn't just love. It's it's tied to you know, marriage and money and how everything. Well, and like the standards of like what was expected of women in the 1800s versus like, yeah, the relational side of those things. And also, yeah, it just, I think shows like how multifaceted, um, that it's not just that they met these, these guys and they fell in love and that's the end of the story. It's like this just really complicated, like tying ambition and passion and love and relationships and family all together. And I think she did a really good job with both of those monologues highlighting, like, this is what they're dealing with, um, in a really beautiful way. Another like great way that she highlights the, the complications of all of it is, the two scenes with Aunt March talking to Joe and then talking mm-hmm. to Amy about marriage and how when she talks to Joe about how important marriage is, like you really admire Joe's position on like, I want to make my own way in the world and I don't want to be married. And and like as an audience member, you're like, wow, how admirable for her to take on that stance, you know? And then Mm -hmm. she has the same conversation with Amy and she explains like, you're your family's only hope. Like if you don't get married to someone wealthy, like there is no one left to take care of your family. And Amy fully takes that in and throughout the film takes on that responsibility in a way that is also incredibly admirable. And that two opposing viewpoints towards marriage can be equally admirable that's like such a great balancing act that this film does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think then to have Joe marry um, Friedrich Bear at the end, the way that's handled works really well because it doesn't feel like she's betraying her, um, you know, her, her wants and desires throughout the whole movie. It feels like this is, um, it feels like, Part of the story, it feels like a need, and yet, and yet, you get that that character development up to the "I'm so lonely" speech, <laughs> to where when he comes in, you could you feel that oh, this is the kid, you know, the the camaraderie that that she has been missing this whole time of of someone to you know to challenge her work and to you know be able to talk to her about these those things because those aren't things that her family you know is really interested in. They're super supportive and everything, but she right. hasn't had that intellectual. Equal. Um, equal yet. And so once I think she realizes that at the end that this is actually what I have been wanting, it hits really hard and I think does better than how it hits in the book. I love yeah, the I moment think. when he's critiquing her work and he kind of says in surprise, like, has no one ever spoken to you like this? And yeah. you <laughs> kind of, like, understand, like, she's her family's, like, crown jewel. Like, everyone kind of yeah. oohs and awes over her mind and her talent. And she's never had anyone, like, take her <laughs> on her level it. and critique yeah. her with, like, um, like an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which makes their relationship so great. And and I I think that's, again, something that I feel like is missing from the book is you don't get any of that till the end. And so you get this brand new character coming in critiquing her and um, and you're just kind of like, who are you? What are you doing here? What's going on? (laughs) And and here it feels really natural. Yeah, Yeah, I think another 
successful way that she implemented jumping in time Mm -hmm. was introducing that character immediately um, and at the beginning so that you could kind of like wait in anticipation for if he was going to show back up. Right. Um, Yeah, I also love, I mean, the ending um, when they show her, it's like juxtaposed with her talking to the book. Negotiating. Yeah, negotiating her book deal with like her going and like hunting down Mr. Bear at the train station. And that that is really what happened to Louisa May Alcott is that originally the Joe character was not going to end up with someone and they wouldn't print it without her ending up with someone. And that's how the Friedrich Bear character came about. And I just loved seeing that portrayal and just like how she negotiated and how she walked through that. Um, I thought it was just a really, a really great way to incorporate that. Yeah. I, I like that Greta Gerwig gives us two endings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like mm-hmm. that she says, like, there's value in both endings and gives us both of them. There's there's obviously value in the idea of Joe not ending up with anyone and staying consistent um, the way Louisa May Alcott did. And she she, she, per, she herself also never married. Um, but that it's admitting that it is more commercial for there to be a happy romantic ending um, and that those can also be satisfying. Like you can craft them in a way that is fulfilling and satisfying and the, and that Louise May Alcott did craft, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and that the, this movie felt that romantic ending felt fulfilling and satisfying, even if it wasn't um, the originally planned or like the, the primarily desired outcome, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Um, I think you get to see like the way they shoot um, them actually printing the book. You can see how much that means to Joe here. And that like this, that is truly like what she has been wanting this whole time. That part like emotionally wrecked me. Like I was still crying when we walked out of the theater. You know, the scene where she, the under the umbrella sequence where she chases Mm -hmm. after him, I appreciate that that sequence feels like it feels tonally a little bit different than the rest of the book or rest of the movie. Like it feels like a rom-com ending, you know, mm-hmm. um, it feels grand in a way that the rest of the movie doesn't. And so because that tone is different, that doesn't feel like the full satisfaction end of the movie the printing of the book is the true happy ending yeah like that Mm -hmm. is the sequence that we as an audience feel fully like enveloped in Um, yeah even though it's earned and emotionally resonant if we just ended at her getting together with mr bear at the end it wouldn't have felt like the true end of the book yeah like it it would have just been like wow so all along the whole point was romance if that was the way the movie really ended you know if that was the big climactic moment and instead, it's not. Instead, the book printing gets to be, like, mm-hmm. the moment we all swoon for. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's like, can we go? Can we go see it again right now? <laughs> I would encourage you to. Let me tell you, seeing it the second time, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, this is, a, this is amazing. I think it's probably a five-star movie. Like, so good. The second time, you really are like, this is a masterpiece. Um, Another thing that I noticed the first time I saw it, but even more noticed the second time was, and this is just like a small detail, was 
all the ways this movie expressed physicality and the way characters touch. Yeah. Um, yes. I love how the sisters are constantly like circling each other and, and rolling all over each other and tackling mm-hmm. each other and hugging each other and touching each other. That was so beautiful to witness. Um, and then, you know, what makes Joe and Lori and their dynamics so especially mm-hmm. heartbreaking is that they their tension with each other is so visible, you know? Um, yeah. They are constantly drawn to each other like magnets. They are constantly um, touching each other, again, punching each other, um, you know, pl- playing each other, cuddling. Um, there's a moment that is in the background of a scene, but that takes my breath away, (laughs) which is at the wedding, um, Joe and Lori are standing next to each other in the background and Lori's hands are in his pockets. And Joe has put one of her hands in Lori's pocket with his hand, you know? Oh man. And it's something that's like incredibly intimate. You know, that would be something that's very intimate, even with like people that, you know, are lovers, you know, if you were to see two people at a party and one of them has their hand in another person's pocket, you'd be like, wow, they're really feeling each other, you know, (laughs) for for these two characters who um, are, you know, one of them is not in love with the other. They are just had this incredibly close bond. It means so much. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. this movie, I I have a sister, um, but we have a, a bit of an age gap. You know, we're we're not we don't ha- we're not um, peers in the way that like sisters that are two or three years apart from each other are. Um, and this movie just made me um, wistful for that that kind of bond um, and 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 all the physicality that they have with each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed too was, um, you know women in the 1800s, I think this is portrayed in the book, like there's just a level and an expectation of like propriety. And I love that what um, Greta Gerwig highlighted in this is kind of the chaos of what it would be like (laughs) to actually have four sisters. And like one of the scenes I think this is so like well highlighted is when um, all the sisters come over to Lori's house after Amy gets hit. Yeah. And it's just this like whirlwind of them coming into the library and there's like Amy talking about paintings and talking about her hands and Joe talking about books and um, Meg talking to Mr. Brooke and then, you know, Marmy and the grandpa come in. It's just absolute mad. It's a madhouse. And then just as quickly as they come in, they leave and then it's just silent. (laughs) And like the three men are just standing there like... Well, back to work, I think is what he says. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I just love it. I think it's just a really beautiful portrayal of like what sisterhood is and like what it's like to live in a, like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of probably like what it was, is like to live with roommates and like, <laughs> like have four, four girls in a house, yeah. um, experienced it before. And it's, it's kind of like that. It can be like a tornado sometimes, but um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that they, she didn't shy away from showing like that they were real sisters um, and kind of hiding that behind the p- propriety of the 1800s, mm-hmm. you know, there, sh- Timothy Chalamet does such a good job in those scenes of expressing like wistfulness and how, yeah. 
Like, we get from the movie that he is completely taken and in awe of Joe, but, like, he also is completely taken with their whole family. And, like, he loves all of the sisters, and he gets moments with all of them that I thought was really yeah. special. That it's he's not just Joe's friend. He is part of the... He, he's... He looks at this family with like awe and they mm-hmm. embrace him as a member of the family. Um, that was lovely to watch as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my one like wish that I would add to this movie, and this isn't really a critique because I don't really know that the movie had space for this, but if we just added like 20 to 30 minutes of, to the movie, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Marmy, mm-hmm. of Laura Dern's character, um, just because in the book, She, you know, the sisters have this beautiful bond, but she really is the glue that holds them all together and kind of keeps them going and, and is helping with their growth and their development. And I think that you get that in the books, but I just want so much more. (laughs) Um, So it's, I, and I would just love so much more Laura Dern, um, that I think she's a great supporting character, but, um, I think that that's one thing that if we could just live in this world a little bit longer, I would have loved so much more of her in it. There's a really great New Yorker, piece right now about the role of Marmy in this film and how like um, there's not enough of it essentially echoing your point of view and how there's this great line in the movie where she talks about how she's angry every day and in the book mm-hmm. you kind of get more of a sense of why that is you know the, the quiet sacrifices that she has to make as that motherhead figure um, and yeah I, I would have also appreciated more of that I agree. Yeah, yeah, I know like in the book especially um like there's a there's a strong contrast to um Marmy and Joe and like she's saying like I understand you because I was you and like mm-hmm. I understand you know kind of like her fiery nature and her like and so you almost kind of get a glimpse of like this beautiful person who Joe could become, you know, if she kept growing um that I think is is really special that it just kind of ties these two characters together in a really cool way. There are um, a few tidbits I wanted to bring up that I've learned about this movie. There are things you two might already know, but like listeners might not that I found super interesting. Um, One, two of them are about how Greta Gerwig made the Joe character mirror Louisa May Alcott in specific ways. Um, One of them is that, Louisa May Alcott herself was ambidextrous and used like both hands to 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 write as much as she could. Um, and she implemented that in the Joe character. And that was like a detail that I thought was so brilliant was every That's time. Cool. Yeah. She was like one hand would get tired. She would switch to the other uh, for that to be like a character trait of Louisa May Alcott. I think it's just really brilliant. And then the other is that Louisa May Alcott specifically chose to retain copyright ownership of her written material and that the Joe character makes a point to do that in this movie, I think is also really special. Um, Saoirse Ronan in interviews is talking about that specific plot point and how like relevant it is, especially today with um, like Taylor Swift, not owning any of her original material, like not owning her masters and how, important is for women to have ownership of their works um yeah yeah and so i just thought that that was like a great cool detail that got added in um the other little tidbit is that um 
Greta Gerwig pushed production for this film to make sure that Florence Pugh could be cast in the role. Like, they halted their schedule specifically for that casting, and man, oh man, was it worth it. Yep. Uh, definitely paid off. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Man. Um, Lucas, did you, I think, I'm trying to remember, did you watch that TV show that I think Park Chan-wook directed that Lawrence, Florence Pugh was in? Um, Ooh, Little Drummer Girl. Yes. Did you watch that? Yes. I, I'm partway through it. Um, okay. I watched the first couple episodes and then had to stop, but I am fully planning on jumping back in. I'm, I think at this point I'm going to be a Florence Pugh completist. Right. Um, and just anything that I've missed, I'm jumping, jumping back in. Ooh, into are it. you going to even watch Midsummer? Oh no, I forgot about that. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, so oh. I, this might be the first full thing I think I've seen of her. Um, oh, I'm trying man. to remember. I started Lady Macbeth and did not like it. Um, <laughs> very much did not like that movie and just stopped watching yeah. it. So I did not finish that. And of course, I didn't see Midsummer. So I didn't yeah. see that either. And I haven't watched right. Little Drummer Girl, but that does sound interesting to me. So that is one that I might. That's that's where I'll get started. Yeah, she's in a fantasy movie, like an older one. Uh, this, I mean, not an older one. A couple years ago, she was in a fantasy movie with Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Oh. Um, I forget what it's called, um, but that one interests me. I've I saw the trailer for it a while ago. Um, the Falling. Okay, the falling. What I didn't make time for this year, but that looks fun, is um, fighting with my family. The oh yes, that's right. Movie. Yes, with the rock and yeah, everybody. that um, looks charming. I would watch that for sure. It definitely looks fun. It wasn't one that I was like gonna watch in theaters for sure, but um, yeah, at this point, I'll I'll definitely watch it. Now. Oh, did you watch Outlaw King and King Lear? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, she's in both of those. Excellent performances there. Great. Okay. Um. Great, and then she she's gonna be in the Black Widow movie coming out. Yep. Yeah, all about her. This movie, man, I am like all about Florence Pugh now. That like this yep. performance, Saoirse Ronan is continues to be like one of our greatest talents. Like this oh, for movie, sure. she yeah. is she obviously is incredible in it. But Florence Pugh, I think, gets to have more fun with her character and gets to do mm-hmm. and gets to be more entertaining. Um, which is why yeah. I think so many people are talking about her and she's new. I feel like she's someone that most people haven't seen before. So right. this right. is great. I don't know that I'll, I don't know if I'll read the book, but I definitely am interested in seeing other adaptations now, mm-hmm. um, of little women. And this movie is, yeah, like just hands down one of the best of the year. Yeah. I would definitely watch the 1994 one. Um, probably the Catherine Hepburn one. Um, I, we tried to watch the 2017, um, BBC miniseries don't, don't do with it. Maya Hawking, uh, Kathleen Newton. Is that the one that's um, like a modern version? No, no. no, no. no. Okay. Go that, on. that one we also haven't seen. The one with, um. I don't know if anyone oh, who's in it, I f- but. I forget. But it's um, like a. Yeah, it's, that one, that one is a movie. It's like a TV movie, right? Or right. My grandmother like that. said that she watched it and did not have good things to say about it, but. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's bad. But no, they did a 2017 BBC one um, that was not good. Uh, yeah, we I think got we watched like the first the 10 first, minutes and we're like, Yeah, we're like, this no. is very, very bad. In, but with a big cast, so. The 1994 version, does Kirsten Dunst play Amy? Yes. Okay. Yes. I feel like 
Yeah, and Winona Ryder is Joe. Right. The Christian Bale, Winona Ryder, Kirsten Dunst of it all is what might get me to go to watch that one. Yeah. Christian yeah. Bale, especially in that one, I think is a is a rock star. For okay. sure. Okay, good. Good. Okay, great. Well, I'm in. I, I couldn't believe how moving I found this this film. It's really incredible. I cannot wait to see it a second time. I think, I, I just realized, I think this might be my new favorite Christmas movie. Like... There's so much Christmas in this film. That's true. Um, I saw it on Christmas Day. Uh, Yeah, this is a Christmas movie. And nice. I can't wait to watch it around the holidays again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am 100% here for um, making this one of our Christmas rotations. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Um, Well, where can we find you guys online? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. You can find me on all platforms um, at Rebecca underscore Chase. Rebecca spelled R-E-B-E-C-C-A. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. You can find us together everywhere at Feeling It Pod. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 